This is Wildcat Dojo Conversations. Hi, and welcome to a fun day of podcasting here in South Florida. I'm Sensei Michelle. I'm Sensei Jackie. And I'm Sensei Derek. He's been here so many times. So if you want to hear more about Sensei Derek, get in touch with us. We'll tell you how in a bit. I want to say when I start this, that remember when they coerced me into being interviewed about, wasn't that about a month ago? (laughs) It was a while ago, but I must say so many people have told me how much they enjoyed it (laughs) and they want to know more about your middle years. Oh yeah, sure. She's always saying that because so many people told me that I should totally interview Sensei Jackie and Landon. And I just want you to know that I am going to make that happen. That's funny, isn't it? Uh, See, she was trying to set me up there, wasn't she, Sensei Derek? (laughs) She was. Okay, here we go. Today's episode is about this headline that I read somewhere and it caught my eye. So I looked into it Mm -hmm. and the headline said that King Tut was a brave warrior. I had never heard anything like that. In fact, I had heard the total opposite of that. Mm. That's what I had heard too. But, you know, you can always find something on every side of a story. And the only thing I really knew about King Tut was the parody by Steve Martin, which we have been talking about all morning. (laughs) That's right, which I watched from 1978 on YouTube. Thank you, YouTube, for having all of these things there for my enjoyment. Just as a clarification, she watched it today. We we both watched it in the 70s. We can't lie and say we didn't. But but nevertheless, she watched it this morning and I did not. So you give us the lowdown. It was still funny, wasn't it? It was still funny. The dancers were still funny. The, um, The lyrics to his song were great. And it was just the perfect inspiration for our podcast. You know how sometimes things don't travel well over time? Yes. I think this one did. I do Mm. too. But maybe because it wasn't about current events. Ah, that's a good idea. Also, in the video, what did he call his band or his dancers? His dancers, his backup group, the Toot Uncommons. (laughs) (laughs) He's clever. Yes. All right. Where are we? Oh, yeah. We're only just beginning and I've already lost the thread. (laughs) This is not a good sign, is it? (laughs) Who's going to start me out about King Tut himself? I think I am. Because I think everyone knows that King Tut died young. But just in case you didn't remember, he was around 18 or 19 when he died. And that happened in 1324 BCE. Which, if you're a new listener, means before the Common Era and used to be called BC. Uh, and I got to wondering, so I looked up how long they've been using BCE to designate time. And although I know this is a little off topic, this is pretty interesting. In that case, go for it. Uh, so according to dictionary.com, BCE and CE have been used since the 1700s by writers and scientists. You know, I never knew it went back that far. I, I really didn't know it had gone back that far. That's freaking me out. Uh, And one more thing to add to that, Uh, some writers use the term vulgar era instead of before the common era or BCE. But before everyone gets reactionary or, I don't know, misconstrued. Yeah, I like that. At the time, vulgar just meant ordinary or common. Okay, let me just say this. Words do change meaning. 
all over the time. Over time, yes. Yes. And that's just one of those things that you don't realize because if you're in it when it's happening, you don't realize they've changed. Us. You know what? Listeners could send us words that meant one thing and mean another thing now. I see a bunch of examples of that when I look at old comics or even I think maybe Sensei Ben uh, who reads it. They have different vernacular, different meanings between certain words then especially and now. Also, before we push on, I know a wonderful little lady named Remy, and she taught me that the word gruel now means great and cool mixed together. (laughs) I had no idea. (laughs) I thought gruel was something you ate like porridge. But this one is spelled G-R-O-O-L. Oh, okay. So that fixes everything Uh, because, you know, you visually see it whenever (laughs) someone says it. Yes. Someone goes up to you and says, you're gruel, and you're thinking, what? Better than drool. (laughs) (laughs) And she's maybe 11. Oh, okay. So this is way before my time. Oh, yeah. oh, way before you. <laughs> oh my gosh, we have to get back on track again. I think so. <laughs> We're only two minutes in here. You're lost in the desert already. Yes. So let's get back to the warrior aspect of things. We're going to call him King Tut because really, why aren't we? But his real name was Tutankhamun. Right. And he had the coolest tomb ever found. It was full of jewels and treasures that were sent to the afterlife with him. Us. Is my memory correct, Sensei Jackie? And we actually took my nephews to see a King Tut exhibit, or did that not happen? You know, I'm not sure we saw an exhibit. I saw King Tut in New York at the um, Metropolitan Museum of Art. They had a a mock-up of his tomb and everything. But I'm not sure if we took Sensei Randy there or not. And Sensei Jay and I... Had a layover in Vegas, which that's a whole story for another day, isn't it? <laughs> yes. And we went to the hotel that's a pyramid. Oh, okay. Luxor? Oh, good one. And they had that. They had a, a mock-up of artifacts, oh, okay. but uh, not any real ones. Uh, not like you saw in New York. They they mocked up his tomb and other things. Ooh. It was a fun three hours. <laughs> it's a much better way to spend a layoff. <laughs> a layover? That's <laughs> not a light. You don't go to Vegas if you've been laid off. Let's just say that right now. I mean, oh. Hopefully the jackpot wasn't one of his like <laughs> relics. That would be funny. Holy cow. Can we please get back to was he or was he not a warrior? Because that was the subject. Now we took most of this information from a Smithsonian magazine article. And I just want to say that is a reputable source. Mm. Yes. yes. Who's going to start me out? Uh, I'll start us off, and I'm actually going to start with a controversy. Oh, fun. Well, sadly, Landon isn't here right now because he <laughs> loves controversies. <laughs> and he would be stealing this line. Oh, uh, But in 2016, two archaeologists said that a CT image revealed that the king's left foot was a club foot that was so serious he would have been walking with his foot turned so far that he actually would have walked on his ankle. Ooh. I think that would have made fighting close to impossible. Just the thought, like I'm turning my foot and I'm going, ooh, ooh, that sounds painful. Anything else? Us. And anatomists and surgeons before them had examined and even x-rayed the feet and found nothing like that. They said that there was no sign of a lack of symmetry in his legs. And if he had a club foot, his legs would have shown it. But some of the scientists think that the sickly king theory is based on the fact that he was buried with 130 walking sticks. The same scientists tell us that being buried with a lot of walking sticks was a sign of authority, though, back in the day. 
So you know I love controversy. <laughs> yes. And also, Sensei Jackie taught me years ago that history is always written by the victors. Us. So you really, unless you were there, you just don't know what happened. And that's, spoiler alert, folks, what's going to end up being true here. They really don't know. But the arguments are interesting to me. I found it the article just really fun to read and think about because it's so long ago. And what? and the interest in King Tut has lasted so many years. Oh, he's a popular subject. If a museum was to open with some of his pieces, it would be tickets only. It would be so crowded because people love to see the artifacts from that time. That's yes. right. Partially probably because of the the curse thing. You know, oh. his tomb was supposed to have been cursed. Right. But right. let's get back to science. I love the way science is constantly growing and changing as more information becomes understood. I think that's kind of like karate, <laughs> right? Yes, it's that. exactly like karate. We adapt. Mm -hmm. And the podcast that we've done about ancient, I'm going to use that term, martial artists, even shows that they fought with their children about modernizing <laughs> in their times. So the scientists who think that King Tut was a warrior say the evidence is found in the amount of monuments he acquired in both life and death. Okay, it's my turn to go off topic for a second, if you don't mind. Oh, my goodness. Go for it. Um, did we already say that most of this information came from a great article in Smithsonian Magazine? I believe we did. Mm -hmm. I, I really believe we did. But I'm a proponent of, of Smithsonian Magazine, so I'm going to give it another plug. If you've never <laughs> heard of it or read it, just Google so something, and something will come up. Everything in it is beautifully photographed and ridiculously interesting. So interesting. Well, according to the magazine, Egyptian historians had the equivalent of a template to do the art that is the tribute to the dead ruler. So they say that the art of the ages was exactly the same, with the exception of the likeness of the king that was depicted. For example, if the art was with the battle with the Nubians, depicting the king riding in his chariot, then if in the next regime there was Another battle with the Nubians, they used the exact same template and only changed the face of the ruler. Hmm. Yeah. I was just going, what? Let me say that again. <laughs> That's a strange thing. But it does remind me of how Randy was explaining to us how modern anime is made and how often oh, comic yes. books are made. They lay out the background. Mm -hmm. And I'm just going to say it. Even Scooby-Doo did it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and they change what the characters are doing in front of it. Nice. <laughs> Absolutely true. Scooby-Doo anime, I'm not exactly sure. Scooby-Doo and King Tut in the same sentence. <laughs> <laughs> That's a mystery. <laughs> so that would make the Smithsonian people those darn kids. <laughs> okay. So the big point that we were supposed to take away before all that is that if Egyptian artists at the time had a block with the etching of King Tut in the chariot, you could put it with the other blocks to depict what it meant. Have hmm. I got it right? That's exactly what the article said happened. There is an Egyptologist named Ray Johnson, and he put together the majority of the research in that particular article. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, and by the way, uh, his research in particular took 10 years, and ended up becoming his doctoral dissertation. Amazing. Yikes. That's a long time. Exactly. And he found two battle scenes, both included 
King Tut. One was against a Syrian fort and the other was against the Nubians. So that made me wonder how many times the Egyptians fought the Nubians. Well, although it's hard to find an exact number, a site called Ancient Kingdoms of Africa said that the Egyptians and the Nubians were mortal enemies. Mm. I think that they actually used the words traditional enemies. Wow. Thanks for checking that out. So we've already got a lot done. Can we just stop for a second? Because I think it would be interesting to talk about the Nubian kingdom. Us. And before we get started on that, can I add one gross thing? Oh, okay. A gross thing. Okay. <laughs> Let me get my big boy pants on. Okay, I'm ready. Us. Uh, starting in King Tut's time, it became a ritual to count the dead enemies by cutting off and counting the enemy's hands. There was a block in one of the tombs showing the warriors carrying spears full of cut off hands. Yuck. Yeah, really. That was <laughs> gross. Yeesh. Nice. Please, Sensei Jackie, tell us something interesting about the Nubians. I will try. The Nubians were a civilization that took up the entire northeast corner of the African continent. The area is now southern Egypt and northern Sudan. The cultural created an ironworking center, and the warriors were highly skilled archers. Some say deadly. Uh, and I'll add one more thing about King Tut, continuing the controversy as to whether or not he was or wasn't a warrior. All right. Uh, historians argue that he could have asked to have drawings placed in his tomb, but not really been in those battles. So believers say that another... Wait, wait. Wait. Okay. Believers in King Tut? What should we call them? I don't know because believers and Swifties are already taken. <laughs> Sorry, but that was fun. <laughs> I have no idea. Please, Sensei Derek, be the grown up and bring us back. Okay. Uh, they say that there was a leather armored vest in the tomb, and after all these years, it was finally studied and, in effect, seen action. And I'm going to add one more fact against him being a warrior. Mm. Wow. You guys are taking both sides over here. Okay, I got (laughs) you. Most times in the tombs, battles were shown with dates. They haven't found dates on any of King Tut's art yet. And since he took office at age nine and died at 19, the battles would have had to have happened when he was older. It's all very up in the air. Which we told you that in the beginning. But let me just say this about dying at 19. Wow. That's a funny sentence. Let me just say this about dying at 19. In ancient times, by 12, you were in a serious relationship with another human being and getting ready to do your family life. Mm -hmm. Correct. So living over the age of 30 was miraculous. We can't understand that today because, you know, people live to be old. Almost like 100. Yeah, definitely. 100 is not even... um, Unusual anymore, I think. No, there's so many centenarians around. Right. So what we need is we need to know what you think. Do you think King Tut could have been a fighter? Hey, did you read anything interesting about it that you want to share with us? It's time to get in touch. And we are, of course, all over the web at Wildcat Dojo. Or on Instagram at Wildcat Dojo Conversations. Or email us at dojoconversations at aol.com. And I think that pretty much does contact information. I think so. So as we finish up, we've got to give one more shout out to Smithsonian Magazine and a book by Bob Breyer called Tutankhamun and the Tomb that Changed the World. It was so cool to learn about. I thought it was a fun one to learn about and read about. uh, It's always super interesting, these new topics that come up. Exactly. Or 
ancient topics. (laughs) (laughs) And to think from the standpoint of a martial artist about all the different kinds of fighters that have been in this world for all the different reasons, some with not such good intentions and some with really good intentions. Us. And also, if he did have a club foot or anything like that, and him actually being a warrior with that, like that speaks to someone's resilience or their training. Yes. We really don't know. But here's what we do know. We researched a few odd facts about this guy, didn't we? Oh, they're fun. <laughs> yeah. So we're going to give you a few to take on the road with you. And then the next time you're at a party, you could say, hey, want to hear a King Tut fact? <laughs> and everybody will go, what? It's going to be a little uncommon, though. <laughs> I'll actually start this off. Like all major rock stars, he had changed his name. He was born Tutankhamun, Cotton, which means living image of Aten. Aten was the sun god. When he became king, he changed his name to Tutankhamun, and that means living image of Amon, the king of the gods. I think he upped the status a little bit. <laughs> I'm saying. <laughs> I think that's really funny, and this goes on to show his strong ego. He was buried with 5,000 priceless treasures. And to add on to that, he was buried with hundreds of pairs of shoes. I'm going to go back for just a second and talk about how he upped his status and about how that's kind of like a lot of people in the modern world. Rock stars for sure change their names all the time. Pop stars, everybody like that. And also the shoe thing, what in the world? (laughs) <laughs> right? I think that's the argument for the fact that he didn't have a club foot. <laughs> I, mean, I know it sounds like I'm making a joke, but I'm not. I'm just saying, I think uh, that was an argument for the fact that he could move around. So hmm. I don't know. Why didn't they make that argument in the notes of the article? But I have an interesting, if not funny, way to finish this up. According to the History Hit website, no one knows how he died, which is weird. Mm. Yes. But I I do think that there is a thing where they don't undo the mummies. Oh, right. They don't unwrap them. Yes. Yeah. And so everything is done with x-rays and scans. That makes sense. But he was the last one of his bloodline because even though he had two daughters, which proves my earlier point about how your life happens when you're much younger, both of his daughters died. Oh, it's kind of a downer way to to end this, Sensei. I don't know why I'm laughing because it is kind of a downer. (laughs) So I will totally take responsibility for ruining the ending. And therefore, I will say, hey, go back to the beginning. Remember the King Tut song and play it. You'll laugh again. Oh, yes. If you are not familiar with Steve Martin, you really need to get in touch with his comedy. I think he's a funny guy. I do, too. And it's sad that that is who I always think of when I hear King Tut's name. Okay, we have a little end of show work to do here as usual, guys. So please stay tuned with us here and listen to first that we now have a click located about three quarters of the way down in my show notes. And in those notes, you can support us. Every dollar helps. So if you have a couple extra dollars and a couple extra minutes, please scroll down and click. Also, we still have our beautiful sponsor, Honor Honor Athletics, Athletics, of course. course. Hey, Derek. After listening to so many episodes and being on so many episodes, do you remember how they get in touch? Uh, they could either contact Cynthia. Cynthia. I don't remember the number, though. Okay. But do you remember the web? Uh, on our athletics.com. Exactly. 
So you can scroll down and click her link or you can reach her at 770-945-5150. And this was just as funny and silly and still fighting like as I expected it to be. Definitely. Because King Tut, although he was a historical character, was almost mythical in the way that we remember him. So he kind of crosses the line there. And don't you think it's weird that they mentioned all the things that he was buried with, but they didn't mention a lot of weapons? Maybe no. they didn't bury people with weapons. I'm No, I think they did. I'm not saying that they didn't. I'm just saying it wasn't mentioned in the in the sources that we looked at. Well, they mentioned walking sticks. Maybe he was a practitioner. Maybe. He turned Maybe. Those into bows. That could be. Hard to say. At least we didn't get buried in the details. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what I love having you on. Mm. Thank you for doing this. That's the Always glad to be a part of the show. It was great. And we will see you next week. You know I'm signing us out, guys. See you soon. Thanks for being here. Hope you join us again next week on Wildcat Dojo Conversations.